0: I've now built several successful businesses. I've raised millions of pounds of investment and I've managed thousands of tenants. Join me and some very special guests to discover the tips, tricks and hacks, the ups and the downs, the best practice and everything else you need to know to start, scale and systemize your very own HMO portfolio now. now, 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 now. I talk to HMO landlords almost every single day and that's been the case every single week every single month, for several years at least, as long as I can remember that I've been investing in HMOs. And one of the big concerns, in fact, the single biggest concern that these landlords, that these investors have shared with me is their anxiety about what the purpose-built student accommodation blocks mean for the HMO market, what it means for their investment. They're concerned, they're anxious that the purpose-built blocks are destroying the HMO market. And they are right to be concerned. But I tell them the same thing every single time. Every time I get asked this, I tell them the same thing. In today's episode, I'm going to tell you exactly what I tell them. Don't go anywhere, and please enjoy today's episode of the HMO Podcast. Hey guys, it's Andy here. We're going to be getting back to the podcast in just a moment. But before we do, I want to tell you very quickly about the HMO Roadmap. Now, if you're serious about replacing your income, or perhaps you've already got a HMO portfolio that you want to scale up, then the HMO roadmap really is your one-stop shop. Inside the roadmap, you'll find a full 60 lesson course delivered by me, teaching you how to find more deals, how to fund more deals and raise private finance, how to refurbish great properties, how to fill them with great tenants that stay for longer, and how to manage your properties and tenants for the future. We've also got guest workshops added every single month. We've got new videos added every single week about all sorts of topics. We've got downloadable resources, cheat sheets, and swipe files to help you. We've got case studies from guests and community members who are doing incredible projects that you can learn from. And we've also built an application just for you that allows you to appraise and evaluate your deals, stack them side by side, and track the key metrics that are most important to you. To find out more, head to the hmoroadmap.co.uk now, and come and join our incredible community of HMO Property Investors. So, let's start by asking the question, what is PBSA? Purpose-built student accommodation. These are the big blocks that you're seeing fly up around the city centres. They've been going up for years, there are more going up now. If you live in a city like Manchester or Sheffield or Leicester or London, Birmingham... You cannot miss them. They are everywhere. And there are a lot of them in each city. The councils have really been in favour of letting developers build these. They use land around the city centre that has high value. And of course, the only way to maximise the value of that from a development point of view is to go up. And the council, in their wisdom, believe that providing all of this accommodation and getting students into purpose-built stuff brings them away from the residential areas where they want to give homes back to families. Now I understand the principle behind it, but it's fundamentally flawed because what they forgot to do was really consider whether students actually wanted to live there. And we're going to tackle that today. We're going to we're going to answer that question, do students actually want to live there? Because that is fundamental to whether or not we think PBSA has the potential to destroy the HMO market. Now, if you're listening to this episode and you're thinking, well, you know what? I'm not even in the student market, so this doesn't affect me. I I don't need to listen to today's episode. Stop. Because this and what's happening in the PBSA market is affecting us all. Professional HMO investors, student HMO investors, social HMO investors. The ripple effect of what's going on is impacting us all. Now, the first thing to say is that PBSA isn't new. It's been around for decades. It's quite possible that your parents, if they went to university, may have even lived in PBSA, Purpose Built Student Accommodation. But what's happened is more of it has been developed. It's been privatised. A lot of it used to be university-owned accommodation, but now the big boys have got involved. There's a lot of money at stake. There's a lot of money to be made, and they've been developing these blocks. And the result of that is that more rooms have ended up on the market, far more than tenants have come to the market. So the supply has been added to, and in some cases, it's been oversupplied. And we need to be aware of that. And that, in a nutshell, is why landlords and investors are so worried about it, because that oversupply has the potential to really have a detrimental impact on their investments. They're worried that they're going to end up with an empty property, property they can't find tenants for. Of course, that is every HMO investor's worst nightmare. However, their anxieties are misplaced. They need not be concerned about this risk if they understand it and if they take precautionary measures. Now, the great thing about The student market in this country is that being a student, particularly if you're a British student, means living in a house with your friends. That is part of the experience. That is what we want to do. It is part of and it is ingrained within the British culture. It is part of the student culture. It's the fabric of being a student. And that hasn't changed. And I do not think that that is going to change at all. For it to change, we're really and genuinely talking about a change in culture, a shift in culture. We're talking about students adopting a totally different way of living. But why would they do that if they enjoy living in a house with their friends? Why would they want to give up living in a house and go and live in a purpose built block? Now, yes, of course, PBSA blocks have got things that we don't have. They've got cinema rooms, spas, gyms, swimming pools, roof bars. They've got all of that stuff. But what they don't have is a place in their heart. We've got that. Student HMOs have a place in the heart of students. It's part of being a student. And that is the best thing that we've got going for us. Now, despite the best efforts of the councils to persuade students to move into PBSA and of developers to attract tenants into their accommodation as opposed to our HMOs, they haven't really been able to crack the nut. Students have always lived in PBSA in their first year. And often postgrad students will stay there because it's an easy choice. But students in their second, third, fourth, fifth years tend to want to live in houses. And they haven't cracked that nut. They haven't been able to retain those students in the first years to live in PBSA in their second and third and fourth years. Yes, they've had a bit of an impact. Yes, they've made a dent, but they really haven't drastically changed the market. However, we've got to remember that student markets in cities like Manchester, 90,000 students, Leicester, 60,000. These are big populations. So when you're talking about five or 10%, and if that is what making a dent means, then actually that's five or 10% of tenants that may have otherwise lived in the HMO market. So while it's not a significant change, it is significant for five or 10% of the landlords in the private rental sector. So knowing this, what we have to do is make sure that we are not in that five or 10%. We are not those landlords who have lost out because some tenants have decided to stay in PBSA as opposed to a house. So how do we do that? Well, the first thing is we've got to understand that location is key here. If it's a house that's on the fringe of where students want to live, where students want to commute back and forth from, it's gonna be at risk. That's just a fact. The closer you are to the campus, where the students actually want to be, the stronger the demand. The further away you are, the lower the demand. And it's those properties that are gonna struggle. They're gonna get picked off. But while this is a threat to the student landlord, This is actually a great opportunity for the professional landlord. Now, not every student landlord wants to be a professional HMO landlord, but a lot of our listeners on the show are professional HMO landlords. And these properties that fall out of the student cycle, as a consequence of this in part, are a great opportunity because young professionals don't really care how close they are to the campus. They're not going there anymore. They're commuting to work, but they're quite happy to live around the fringes of areas that they know where they lived as a student. So they're great opportunities. So location. You can't change the location in retrospect, but it is a key factor here. The other one is spec. That 5 or 10% is inevitably going to be 5 or 10% of the HMO landlords who have the poor quality spec, the places that people don't want to live in. Of course, they're either going to have to be refurbished or sold to somebody else like you or I who's prepared to do that refurb. This is a great opportunity because this 5 or 10% that's being affected, unfortunately for them, you know, they're going to have to think about what they do, but these become opportunities for us. If they don't want to do the work, we'll do it. We'll buy it. We'll do the work as so long as it all makes sense on paper. So this is a good opportunity. Of course, if you own stuff yourself and you want to stay at that 5 or 10%, then make sure your HMOs Are a good spec. And it's easy to figure out that spec. Look at what the market is doing. Look at where the competition of other HMO landlords is and make sure that you're on par or better than that. And with this in mind, the potential for properties to fall out of student cycles because the location's no longer favorable or because the spec's not good enough. And these tenants might just decide, well, you know what? I'm just going to stay in PBSA. It's an easier option. And actually, the accommodation's beautiful. That's the decision I've made. But These HMOs become opportunities for us to buy, but also these could become opportunities for rent-to-rent operators. They've got Article 4 compliance in many cases. They're set up to be used as HMOs. They need light improvements. They need works. That's stuff that we can do, and then we can potentially keep them in the cycle. If it's just a case of improving the spec, maybe students will want to continue living there. Or maybe we could put professionals in there. Of course, these HMOs could also be repurposed and become very valuable in the social market as well. So where normally they wouldn't do because they've been used as student HMOs, actually other uses within the HMO model become a possibility. And again, this is just more opportunity for investors like you and I. So in a nutshell, while there are tons and tons of rooms coming onto the market in the PBSA space, and they're having an impact to the tune of about 5 or 10% pulling students out of the HMO market and into their accommodation. Some landlords are losing out as a result of that, but there are benefits to that for you and I, as potential investors, as rent-to-rent operators. However, there are other things to consider here. The PBSA has had more of an impact than simply occupancy, and that's in good and bad ways. Now, one of the good things has been that PBSA, because of the standard of accommodation, essentially developers to make it economically viable. They've had to charge premium rents for their accommodation. Students have come in their first year, they've paid this premium price. And then when they've decided to move into the private rental sector, into HMO in their second year, actually they've had expectations of having to pay this high rent. And so the PRS and landlords like me and investors like us, we've been able to track our rents up because students have been more willing to pay that The PBSA has actually acted as a feeder. It's dragged our rents up with it. That's a good thing. At the same time, it has brought some challenges. Students have come from this incredible accommodation and they have also come with expectations of incredible accommodation. And not just the accommodation itself, but the service, the concierge, the ability to get things done on demand. And of course, managing HMOs isn't the same. They're different types of building. They need to be managed in a very different way. And managing the expectations of tenants has been the biggest challenge, I think, that we've found, above all else, over the last three or four years. And it is as a direct result of the PBSA market. Lots of re-education, lots of reminding to tenants of what our policies and provisions are, our timelines to get maintenance done and things like that. That has been difficult to manage. And not just of the tenants, but also of the tenants' parents, their guarantors. So you need to keep that in mind. And when I said earlier, this PBSA stuff isn't a threat if you know what to do, if you know how to handle it. This is the sort of stuff that I'm talking about. So you need to be aware that students are coming with much higher expectations and those expectations need to be in part met, but in part managed. So there we go, PBSA. If you're one of those people who is concerned about the risk that this accommodation posed to your HMOs, then you need not be concerned. You just need to know what it means and how to avoid being in that bottom 5 or 10% of the HMO market that will ultimately get picked off, that'll get cleared out. Moving forwards, I think the PBSA market is going to continue to compete primarily amongst itself. There are lots of providers offering similar accommodation. They're all battling and grappling for the attention of students to live in that accommodation. But of course, they have buildings that need upkeep as well. They get old, they get tired, and they need recycling and periodically improving. And we're going to see that As it happens in the HMO market, people like us, we come in, refurbish stuff, we make it look great. People live in it for several years and then it needs some work and gradually the standard slips and then maybe eventually it gets refurbished or sold on. The same thing's happening in the PBSA market. So I don't think you need to be too concerned. Let them do their thing. And we can do our thing, but just be aware of what they are doing and make sure we're not in that bottom five or 10%. We want to be in the top five or 10% of the HMO market. So just make sure that we are, make sure we understand how to do that and how to be there. And if you're a professional accommodation provider or a social accommodation provider, think about the opportunities that you could be picking off this five or 10% of the HMO community, the landlords that are no longer functioning, their properties have fallen out of the cycle, think about how you could use those to your advantage. How can you pick them off? Could you buy them? Would these locations work well for you? Could they work as rent-to-rents? So there we go. Just to summarise, is PBSA a huge threat to the HMO market? Yes and no. Yes, to some people, it's going to affect some landlords at the bottom five or 10%. It's going to be fatal for them. But for the rest of us that understand it and actively find solutions to make sure that we're never in that bottom five or 10%, we should be just fine. And for some of us who see the opportunities, it's a chance to build our businesses, to expand our portfolios. That's it for today's episode of the HMO podcast. Don't forget that I'm on hand over in the HMO community. If you haven't already joined us, then come and check it out. It's a great place to find guidance and support that'll help you build your portfolio or business. And of course, if you want to level things up, then the hmoroadmap.co.uk is where you really want to be. Inside there, you'll find everything you could possibly need to scale your business up quickly. That's it for today. Thank you once again so much. Don't forget, I'll be right back here next time. So join me then for another instalment of the HMO Podcast.